0: Welcome to the third installment of our Britpop Trilogy. It was 1996, and I was writing for a magazine called Addicted to Noise. It was my first writing job, and Addicted to Noise was a groundbreaking magazine, even if it wasn't as edgy as it imagined itself. The magazine launched with two syringes in the logo, which were quickly changed to guitars. ATN, as we called it, was the first online music magazine and the first magazine ever to include song clips in its reviews. And the reviews had a really silly one-to-five rating system. I don't remember what the lowest four scores were called, but a five-star album got the orgasmic rating. In the two years or so that I worked there, I remember two orgasmic albums. One was Neutral Milk Hotels' In the Aeroplane Over the Sea, which I know Jake hates. And the, <coughs> other, <laughs> the other was Pulp's Different Class with its lead single, Common People. Common People is a song about class, about the very specific way English people experience class and Americans love to watch on PBS. While Blur was singing about a country house and Oasis was singing about whatever the hell Oasis lyrics are about, Pulp was telling uncomfortable stories about sex, drugs, and especially about relationships gone wrong in ways that echo societal conflict. Pulp's songs are often about working-class people, but they're rarely about working-class heroes as Jarvis Cogger sings in a later Pulp song, "No, I'm a fuck up just the same as you." Today on Hidden Jukebox, Pulp's "Common People."
1: I remember when you were working for Addicted to Noise. Really? Oh yeah, I was I was probably 14, 15. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh and uh yeah, somewhere around there and
0: it and I started in 95, yeah. So. And,
1: and I I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that my brother was writing for a magazine about music, like as though if it's a magazine and if it's about music, it has to be a big deal.
0: Yeah, it was, it was, I don't know, like it was sort of a big deal. It later got bought by MTV.
1: It well, and that's a big deal, but it's kind of like thinking that doing a podcast about '90s music somehow makes you a big deal.
0: I think I think Addicted Noise was better known than this podcast,
1: probably. And and yet I tell people that I do a podcast, and people's reaction is always like, "Oh, really? Like, wow! <laughs> I don't even know how you start with something like that."
0: <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Let's see. When I was when I was uh, working there, I I interviewed. Let's see who I can remember off the top of my head. Jason Finn from the Presidents. <laughs> Evan Dando, Michael Hutchence, uh, Meredith Brooks.
1: Okay, one of those is a really big deal to me. The others are not. Can you take a guess at which one's a big deal?
0: I mean, I, I could believe either Evan Dando or Michael Hutchins.
1: Evan Dando's not a big deal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if he heard you say that, like, he would, like, come out after you personally well we just
1: established that nobody listens to this podcast so i'm not too worried about it but wow michael hutchins that's a big
0: deal it was he um uh he was lounging by a pool when i interviewed him this was over the phone and someone brought him an ice cold lemonade
1: (laughs) during the interview (laughs) i'm glad you clarify that it's over the phone and not that you were lounging by a pool with Michael Hutchins going. Wouldn't that have been awesome? As long as we're here, why don't we chat a
0: little bit? Let's see. I interviewed Archers of Loaf.
1: Yep. yep. <laughs> not not a big deal.
0: <laughs> all right. Uh, man, that was good times. Uh, all right. How familiar are you, were you with this song uh, before this episode?
1: Well, uh, I have to admit, uh, we've been doing this for, I think... About two years now, Mm -hmm. and this is the first song or album that we have covered where I have no familiarity with the song or the band, where, where I really had to put in work the last few weeks to get to know Pulp, to get to know this song, and to honestly see if it grew on me, which it really did
0: interesting okay because uh pulp is one of my all-time favorite bands I don't like it means nothing to me whether you like them or not I'm just curious to hear your response
1: well I didn't when I first heard it because last month you suggested that we do this uh Brit pop trilogy mm-hmm. and that we include pulp in it and I I said yeah let's do it and afterwards I was like I I've never listened to pulp. Like if I heard it on the radio, I wouldn't know what it is. Sure. And so the first thing that I put on is common people. And at first I'm, I, I didn't really get it. I'm, I'm like not listening to lyrics, just going, it seems like a pretty simple song with kind of cheesy keys. I, I'm not feeling it. Yeah. And, and then, then I started listening to the entire album all the way through. It's a
0: very good album.
1: And I started reading about the album and how, despite the, the fact that blur and oasis got all this fanfare that people who really followed britpop and were really into it say that pulp were the the leaders of the whole thing mm-hmm. and and really the by far the best songwriters of it and so you listen to the the entire album and it's just so good and then i went back and listened to this song and started listening to the lyrics and the whole thing is fantastic.
0: Yeah, this like this isn't like one of my like top favorite Pulp songs, but it's definitely their best known song. So, I figured we should do that this one for the show.
1: Well, you you mentioned that your favorite album is actually the one that they put out in the 2000s. Yeah,
0: 2001, which I don't I think is barely anyone's favorite Pulp album, but I love it. It's called We Love Life.
1: Yeah, I, I tried giving it a listen. It's a little bit different from It's this. a little
0: different, yeah.
1: Um I also tried listening to the album that was before this one, which is his and hers, right?
0: Yeah, that was their first hit album. And, not not as big as as Different Class, but
1: And and I liked it, but not nearly as much as Different Class.
0: Yeah, I read an interview, like this is something that sounds definitely too good to be true, but that uh uh, Jarvis Cocker, the front man of Pulp, uh, claims that he wrote all of the songs for Different Class in two weeks.
1: I read that he's the son of Joe Cocker. and not. True. Wh- which of these is not true?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both of them are both not. Of the, true. Both of them are not true. <laughs> uh,
1: so, so I, I rarely, and I've mentioned this before. I rarely pay attention to lyrics. Yeah. Um, when I do, I'm usually more disappointed than I am excited. Yeah, of course. I, either I it's too artsy and I don't get where they're going, or it's Oasis. You mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this is so good at at telling this story in a way that's not overblown. Like like say where Dylan was trying to make a commentary. Uh, yeah,
0: this is much better than Dylan.
1: Uh, yeah i I think I just pissed off <laughs> a lot of people <laughs> uh you know uh it it's it, or or springsteen like people sure. are springsteen like like these people who tell these working class stories. this is really like a story about this girl who comes from a really rich family who meets a guy and is like, I just want to be normal like the rest of you people and and it's hilarious like the way that he comes up with what she thinks is normal, yeah. and and what he thinks is is absurdist rich people stuff, and and then the fact that the whole thing is kind of set over a dance pop track,
0: yeah, um, with like I can I can see like you know if this is the first thing you heard by Pulp and you hear that that uh, very bouncy keyboard part which is like Doo, do 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 do, like that you would get not quite a full impression of what pulp is all about.
1: And and yet uh the the keyboardist uh Candida Doyle. Yeah. Her stuff is so prevalent in the, in their songs. Like like Yeah.
0: No, I think like, you know, you could like I think everyone in in Pulp is a very good player, but like the things that make a Pulp song sound like Pulp are Jarvis's voice and Candida's uh uh keyboard parts. S-
1: so I want to talk about Jarvis's voice, and I also want to talk about where Pulp started and, and like yeah. everything that they went through. So first off, Jarvis's voice... You you talked about it a lot, so go ahead and say your
0: piece. Yeah. So at first, I was going to say that he has a really big vocal range, but that's not exactly correct. So so this song covers about two octaves of range, which is fairly big for a pop song. But like you know, most people can sing like two octaves it's not
1: like mariah carey can sing nine right
0: exactly like you know axel rose could sing You know, like is the diff- distance from the lowest note on a guns and roses album to the highest note is like six and a half octaves or something not anymore yeah no not anymore but what strikes me about jarvis cocker's voice is that he has he is very powerful in his low range and very powerful in his high range and can like do different characters by emphasizing different parts of his vocal range, which I think most people cannot do. Like I can I can sing as low as he does, but it sounds like a guy with a high voice trying to sing low. Um, you know, whereas he you know can has a deep voice and a high voice and can like you know tune tune one in and tune one out depending on what the character needs it,
1: it it's what i what i always say as is, is intensity without volume mm-hmm. he he has this
0: it's so hard to do
1: it's he he has intensity with low voice intensity with with an upper range but he never screams or anything he just gets to one of the things I love about this song is it it builds as it goes through yep. it. It feels like it's going to be this kind of mellow track as it starts out, and when it builds to this kind of dance rave up, he gets to this higher end of his vocal range, and he isn't screaming, but it's like it it's like C and C Music Factory, everybody dance now.
0: It's exact. That's yeah. That was the that was the comparison that came to mind for me too. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just threw him off. Uh Yeah,
0: so- no that is that's funny that you mentioned that he doesn't scream because you're right. I I can think of one Pulp song on their last album where he screams and it and it really sticks out because he hardly ever does that.
1: Um and and then there's this documentary about when they came back in 2011 2012 yeah. and did this big homecoming show in their hometown of Sheffield, England. And I watched the documentary this week. (laughs) Oh, good. Which has has its moments. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that can be thrown out. (laughs) Oh, sure. But the stuff, the parts with them on stage. This guy is a showman. Yeah. It's like I was starting to get the music, and then I watched them perform, and then I'm like, okay, I really get this.
0: Yeah, and he's he's a weird looking guy. Like, I I mean that in an appreciative way, like he's super tall and skinny and wears these chunky glasses and like you would not pick him out as a rock star like you would, you know, see like a uh, uh, Noel Gallagher, Liam Gallagher and be like, okay, that's a guy from a band.
1: I likened him to Tom York where it's it's like this is not the attractive front man and he dances really weird and yet it works so well that's like infectious to watch.
0: Yes. Um in that there that my two favorite parts of that documentary are there's one part where a guy's talking about how he went to London and got mugged and was really sad and came back home to Sheffield where he and Pulp are from. This is like a fan of the band and and said something like, "Yeah, you know, in Sheffield, well, you still get mugged, but you know the people right. who are going to mug you." <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a part where they where they ask one of the other members of Pulp like, "You know, your best known song is Common People. Uh would you say Jarvis is Common People?" <laughs> and the guy's like I mean, I think he could be, (laughs) but he's not. No, that's one of the
1: funniest parts about all this is Glastonbury, probably the biggest festival on the planet. When the Stone Roses dropped out in the the mid 90s, Pulp was picked to headline the entire festival. These guys are are hardly uh, no name, no name act. Right. Right. Yet one of the one of the things that they mention is Jarvis, especially in Sheffield, is very recognizable. He could hardly walk down the street without right. somebody stopping him. But the rest of the band, it they kind of are common people. Like, yeah, like they they became hugely famous, but you could not pick out any of them. Like you could pick out Slash if he walked down the street.
0: That's that's an interesting point. Like what determines whether like everyone in a band becomes like is it it becomes like recognizable. Is it because they have like special hairstyles?
1: Okay. Number one, I'm a bass player. So that instantly cuts me out of this conversation (laughs) entirely. Uh Like, like nobody ever knows who the bass player is.
0: I mean, what about Duff McKagan?
1: Could you pick him out on the street? What
0: about, um, wait, is Pete Townsend a bass player? No, No. he's not.
1: (laughs) No, the ox was the bass player. John Entwistle. (laughs) All right. I don't, um, I don't think I could pick him out on the street. I don't either. No. Okay. Um, you 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 basically have like less Claypool, and that's it. That's yeah. that, That's pretty much it.
0: Oh, maybe you know my friend Paul Paul McCartney. Oh yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. The, the walrus. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. I, I could pick out the walrus on the street, but that's All about right. it.
0: But like, I feel like at the height of Guns N' Roses, like I would have recognized any member of Guns N' Roses, and I really think it, it has a lot to do with the hair. Even Izzy, <laughs> maybe not. There you go. Yeah. So
1: so the rest of this band is common people. Jarvis Cocker uh not so much.
0: Yeah. But like unlike most of the other bands that we've done, like you know, Pulp songs are stories. Um and like you know, this is this is a story, it's like a little slice of life. And one of the things that I I like about, you know, I like you, I I don't pay a lot of attention to lyrics, but when I listen to Pulp, I usually do. Like there's always a character at the heart of a pulp song who is not very likable. Yeah. <laughs> like the the narrator of this song like thinks he's thinks he's better than than this rich girl. Um and really like they're both like they're both fuck-ups in their own way.
1: And usually if you described lyrics like that to somebody without them ever hearing the band, they'd think so they write like Shoegazer or really, really moody. Yeah, depressing music like maybe like or maybe like Tom Waits or someone like that. And and their music is not that at all.
0: Um, did you did you listen to the song Disco 2000? I love also, it. That's that's one of my favorite. That's I love doing that song at karaoke. Like that's a song where the the premise of the song is like you know that I'm in love with this this pretty girl at, that I know from school, and you're like okay I know where this where this story goes. You know it's like a Jack and Diane, and then it fast forwards to like you know and I never made anything of myself, and I still think about you even though you have no idea who I am, and uh, you know maybe someday we'll meet up and we still won't have a relationship
1: that is an obscure karaoke song i i'm gonna one-up you here okay. I i saw my friend kelly last night shout out to kelly and uh she mentioned we were talking about this old skeezy bar that we used to go to and she mentioned that uh her fiance raj shout out to raj listener of the show uh hey raj that that uh they were there one night and I think it was his birthday, and he was singing the karaoke song that's the only karaoke song he ever sings. And I said, oh, what's that? And she said, Natalie and Imbruglia's Torn.
0: <laughs> that's, that's a good choice. I like that. I said,
1: if you give me a list of 50 songs and, and told me to pick Raj's karaoke song, I think that would have been number 49 or 50. I uh, just don't, like, I can't picture it. And yet, once she said it, I just pictured him singing it. I'm like... Yeah, that works.
0: Yeah, but I don't. You love it when somebody does a karaoke song and really nails it, and it's not the song you would expect them to do. Because, like, you know, people know what kind of you know. I'm gonna like get up there and sing Weezer or something, and like right, you know, right. I'll, I'll do okay, but no one's gonna be surprised. Right. Um. I like one time I uh, I was I was at like bar karaoke and I saw a white guy sing Redbone. Um. And like he did he did change the word. You, you, mean, um,
1: you mean the. Uh... The uh, challenge can be yes, okay. and
0: fucking destroyed it. Yeah, like it was so good. Yeah, uh, I I used
1: to do uh, Man in the Mirror. Yeah, and, and often I did not nail it, but when mm-hmm. I would nail it, it would bring the house down. Yeah, and, and it it's it's mostly the end where he's doing all the <laughs> like like people are like wow he's really leaning into this <laughs>
0: that's good.
1: <laughs> uh, so, pulp. Uh, started their careers in 1978.
0: I couldn't believe it when I, when I looked this up, I didn't know this, um, and so this this was their like you know the, the album before this one did pretty well, but this was their huge breakout album in nineteen ninety five.
1: Seventeen year seventeen career.
0: years into their career, and like I think probably the first like X number of years was just like you know one or two of them kind of like screwing around and and pretending they were in a band, but still you get credit for that. Sure,
1: when when you look at the the chart on Wikipedia of band members, they've had like ten right. or fifteen band members, but the the core five or six that played on this album uh, are the same ones that got together for the reunion in twenty twelve. And when people think about uh, oh my god, I almost said blur. When people think about Pulp, they think about this lineup specifically. It's kind of yeah. like it's kind of like Fleetwood Mac, where yeah. they were like five different bands before they became the McVees and Stevie
0: Nicks and everybody. Right. Um, did you, did you catch, I forgot to write it down. Like what number album was this for them?
1: Ooh, I think it's number four. Okay. Um, Hold on a second.
0: That's, that's what gave me the idea that there was a lot of like fucking around and figuring it out time.
1: Yeah. they former members, two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24 different members okay. of this band. Um, and this is their fifth album. All right. Yeah, and their first album came out in 1983, so they'd been a band for five years. Yeah, but you think about that—that that the bands coming out of of England during the 80s while they were trying to make a career. Yeah, like like Def Leppard,
0: which which was also from
1: Sheffield. Yeah, yes, <laughs> it's it's like think about being this Sheffield band and being like, oh, I see, we're doing it wrong. Like, yeah. Like this is what's going to make us really popular, but they really stuck to their guns. Like, like you listen to their early albums, and it's not, you know, their sound changed, but Jarvis didn't change very right. much. He he kind of did the same thing through the entire thing, and he's he's the one member of the band that has lasted throughout the entire thing. Yeah, of course.
0: I, um, he released a solo album last year called Jarv Is. That is terrible. It's so terrible.
1: That is <laughs> that. <laughs> That is.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to. Oh, I saw Def Leppard uh, in 1987 at the Memorial, Portland Memorial Coliseum on the Hysteria Tour. One of the best shows I've ever do, seen.
1: Do you remember who was opening for them?
0: Uh, LA Guns. Oh, is that possible?
1: Yes, LA Guns was still a band then, but I know I saw LA
0: Guns opening for someone, and it seems like who it would have been.
1: Yeah, like half the members had left to join Guns N' Roses by that point, which, which, on a side note, somebody put up one of those ridiculous memes on Instagram this week of uh, find a band and change one letter in their name to make it something else. Okay, wait,
0: can I see if I can guess? Um I mean there's a thousand answers to this. I know, LA LA
1: Funds. No, I went with Nuns and Roses.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean LA Nuns is pretty good. <laughs> LA too. Nuns is also really good.
1: <laughs> Just a little bit more more obscure. So the band like like survived through Hair Metal through the I mean what else was going on besides Hair Metal in the 80s in England like in terms of genres uh, uh, and music?
0: Red Red Wine
1: yeah, uh, UB40, mm-hmm. who were basically a reggae band of a bunch of white guys.
0: I, were they Were they all white guys? I'd have to look
1: that up. I'm I know the lead sure. singer was like yeah. was like a, a white redhead. It was yeah. it, it, Oh, Rick Astley was popular in uh, the eighties. Um,
0: Simply Red.
1: Yeah, totally. I think that's all white guys with red hair.
0: Yeah. Oh, is Rick Astley English? Yeah. I guess I knew that. Yeah. I guess you can tell by the name. All right. Um, he seems kind of American, though, doesn't he? <laughs>
1: I uh, I will say I discovered recently that he's one of uh, the only solo artists of the last thirty years to have a number one hit in England and the United States at the same time.
0: Oh wow! There okay. are bands,
1: but like like people forget that at, at for a very small moment, Rick Astley was absolutely huge.
0: Oh yeah, no. I remember. I lived. I lived through the the first the first age of Astley.
1: Yeah, th- this is definitely the the second
0: age of Astley. It is, which will go on uh, until the heat death of the universe. <laughs> um, let's see. So, uh, what else do we have to say? Oh, like you you listed some uh, some bands that uh, that you feel like were Pulp influenced, and I agree.
1: Okay, so first off, you're a much bigger Bell and Sebastian fan than Love I. Love Bell
0: and Sebastian. Have all their albums.
1: I would say Bell and Sebastian are like, even though they came not too far after this album, like started not too far after this album, very influenced by this. Sound. I think so. Yes. Um, Kaiser Chiefs, more like, Kaiser more Chiefs danceable. Are great, they, yeah. they are a great band. Uh, Keen, they're very piano based, but very influenced by this sound. Yeah, it's, it's like like kind of the backbeat type of thing of it. Plus I, I was trying to think of some more contemporary bands that aren't British. Mm -hmm. And I almost said American band, new pornographers. I'm like, nah, they're Canadian, but (laughs) they're Canadian. Yes. But but quite influenced by this. And I would say vampire weekend is too.
0: Yeah. You know what? You, you asked like what other bands, write These days, like write songs, like rock bands that, that do songs about class vampire weekend.
1: Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, and, and in, I, in a
0: very British sort of way, that like like way a way that like it's sort of not not typical and not comfortable to talk about class in America in that way.
1: No, like like that's one of the things about this song is you you basically write about being working class in in the United States, and that's about it. Like you, like the way that that the Brits write about their type of class versus us it is like completely different. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, that I, that kind of popped out and maybe I'm completely wrong about this is when I think about, uh, types of British music, like genres, Mm -hmm. they always seem to happen at one point where it feels like nothing else is going on in British music at the time. And I know that this is not true.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like what, what you remember and like what gets exported, Coming together, because, uh, because, like, I don't know, like, I, I, uh, I think there, there's always like a lot of like, you know, really like bubblegum pop going on anywhere, right? Right. Um,
1: like the Spice Girls were definitely popular yeah. at some point, but at the same time, at that point in British music, I feel like everything that was coming out of Britain that was really popular was stuff that was bubblegum pop.
0: Um, Oh, at the time, the Spice Girls? Yes. Um, Okay. Um, Yeah, I mean, certainly there, yes, there are music trends, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. I just. uh... Um, But, uh, but yeah, but it's also just like uh, someone, someone, I think like, do you know, do you know the YouTube channel 12 Tone? I do not. Um, It's a music theory channel where the guy like draws cartoons while talking about popular songs and, and, uh, you know doing music theory analysis of them. Oh, it's, as,
1: it sounds scintillating.
0: It's it's pretty, it's more fun than I'm making it sound. There's no way <laughs> to, to describe this and make it sound fun. But uh, he, he talked about how, like, you know, we remember, like, 1991 and, like, uh, you know, uh, that, uh, what do you think the top song of 1991 was? Was it Smells Like Teen Spirit? Was it, uh, you know, I, I, I could be misremembering the year, but, like, it was some year that you would think of as, like, this was a, a year of grunge, and uh, it was like, no, the top song of that year was everything I do. I do it for you. Um, and, you know, so our we we tend to like simplify in our memories to like, you know, I heard a bunch of this at that time. So that was kind of the only thing that was going on at that time. And it wasn't even the only thing that was popular.
1: It it was definitely not the only thing going on at that time. That being said, uh, yesterday, I was having this conversation quite a bit that uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic and Nevermind, were released on the same day. And in, in Bad motorfinger right? 30 years ago, and Bad motorfinger and not the same genre, but Tribe Called Quest, Low End Theory, mm-hmm. arguably their best album. yeah All released on the same day, and within a month of that, uh, Pearl Jam 10, and Metallica's The Black Album, um, and, oh, and Guns N' Roses, Use Your Illusion 1 and yeah. 2. All within, like, a month of each other. That is... A whole lot of very, very large selling albums. Yeah. Including the biggest selling album of the nineteen nineties, all within two months of each other. Yeah. Um
0: I remember, yeah. It it
1: was it was a really, really great time for bands making albums. Like like that's the whole reason that we do this show about nineties music is bands don't really do albums that sell. Yeah, like no, if not
0: for September nineteen ninety one. Was it September? It was, uh, yes, I, yeah. it is
1: currently September.
0: Uh, then I, yeah, I don't think we would be doing this show at all. Uh,
1: pre- pretty much, um, and and it's funny because I was thinking about it. I'm like, and yet we haven't covered any of those albums uh, or any songs from any of those albums. So I guess we still have a way to go here.
0: Um, I mean, do you want to do you want to like do a do a song from? I don't think we need to do the whole album of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Do you want to do a song from it?
1: Ah. Uh... I would almost want to do the whole album, but All right. but like, Chili Peppers are, are, uh, I don't know know the right way to put it. It's not like a sore subject for me. It's just that that was something that I liked for a very short time in my life, and now you like, I find them
0: cringeworthy. Yeah, but I think that's kind of interesting. Like, I think I I still kind of like them. I'm not gonna like. You know, you know, line up for the new Chili Peppers album. Although I hear there's going to be a new Chili Peppers album. There is. But, but like, I, I feel like I, I never mind listening to, to like, uh, any of their greatest hits. Yeah. I, the, I mean, did we have this conversation? Or I feel like I had this conversation with someone recently.
1: Uh, I talk about this more more than I'd like to, like because pe- there are certain people who still love the chili. Because peppers. Anthony
0: Kiedis is always jumping into your car and wanting to do carpool karaoke.
1: Well, I will say this: uh, not carpool karaoke, and not Anthony Kiedis, <laughs> <laughs> but the lead singer of Archers of Loaf definitely wants to get my car and do carpool karaoke. <laughs>
0: Eric Bachman wants to do carpool karaoke Yes, yes, of Bachman-Turner Overdrive.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) No. uh, (laughs) Wrong Eric Bachman? Damn it. Uh, No, the Chili Peppers just announced that they're doing a 2022 tour, and if you haven't seen it yet, go to the Chili Peppers YouTube page and watch the three-minute video that they did announcing their 2022 tour it is fantastic i don't really want to say anything more okay but but it's like it was kind of those oh i don't want to love this band anymore but how can you not love them when they do something like this It it's brilliant
0: yeah and i hear i hear john for is back in the band again
1: he is and he's still the one with absolutely no personality whatsoever
0: <laughs> oh boy now we're in trouble and that's tough when you know that chad smith is in the band <laughs> um you know okay wait how, how are we going to save ourselves from this one like murderers that's a good song right <laughs> okay um <laughs> you can find us at uh hidden jukebox.com uh, facebook.com slash hidden jukebox is that right? Yep.
1: Instagram.com slash jukebox hidden.
0: Uh, and uh, please rate and review us. Tell your friends about the show. If you've if you've got a friend who, who can't wait for that uh, that new Chili Peppers album to drop, uh, tell him to listen to Hidden Jukebox because possibly several years from now we'll get around to doing blood sugar sex magic.
1: <laughs> Until next time I'm Jake Amster. <laughs> and
0: I'm Matthew Amster Burton